You're listening to Just Medicine, an equity and healthcare podcast created by medical students in British Columbia. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this bonus episode on the vocabulary of gender-affirming care. Here, I'll go over some terms to be familiar with when discussing and learning about trans care. I used multiple resources for this episode, but my primary ones were the Cumenity and BC Trans Care Glossaries. They have many fantastic educational resources for those who are interested in learning more, and I do really recommend them. I'll do my best to make this more of a conceptual discussion rather than me reading off of a vocab list. And with that being said, let's get into our first concept, gender versus sex. Though gender and sex are usually conflated in every everyday speech, they refer to distinct but overlapping concepts. Gender is actually quite multifaceted and includes an individual's gender identity, gender expression, and can be influenced by a specific society's constructed gender norms. Gender norms can influence how people perceive other people's genders and their perception of gender nonconformity. Trans and gender diverse folks can experience what's called gender policing, referring to societal, cultural, or even family pressure to conform to gender norms. It's really important to remember that uh, gender norms are fluid across time and across different cultures. So cultural sensitivity also plays an important role in recognizing gender norms. Sex differs from gender and refers to biological attributes and legal categories used to classify people as male, female, intersex, or other categories. This is primarily associated with features like chromosomes, hormone levels, and reproductive or sexual anatomy. It is important to note that sex, much like gender, is not a binary, and there are over 100 biological variations of sex. Along with sex, you may hear some terms like AFAB and AMAB, referring to assigned female at birth and assigned male at birth. So the next term is assigned sex at birth, which refers to the legal designation given to infants at birth. This is based on the healthcare provider's visual visual assessment of the newborn's genitalia, and newborns are assigned either male or female unless a visual difference in sexual development is noticed. This is important because there are many individuals who don't have a visible differences in sexual development, and they're not necessarily accounted for in this term. Another important concept in uh, gender-affirming care circles are pronouns. Most commonly used pronouns are she, her, he, him, and they, them. And it's important to know that they, them can be used to refer to a single person. It is generally considered appropriate to introduce yourself with your pronouns if you feel comfortable, but not to ask others their pronoun. This is because people may not feel comfortable revealing their pronouns for safety reasons, or they may not have an answer to that question yet. It is also important to know that Pronouns can change over time and between different settings for different people. When learning about a patient's gender identity journey, be sure to explore the context in which they use different pronouns as to not out them accidentally. While many people may feel comfortable with you and their care team being aware of their gender identity, they may not have shared that with others in their life uh, for safety concerns. 
Another important part of gender-affirming care is surgical and medical transition. Gender-affirming care surgeries are colloquially divided into top and bottom surgeries. Top surgery refers to a variety of gender-affirming procedures that are above the waist that can be masculinizing or feminizing surgeries. This includes chest construction surgery, which is where you remove breast tissue to sculpt the chest into a more typically masculine contour. And on the other end, you can have breast construction or augmentation surgery where there's more breast tissue added to create a more feminine or typically feminine uh, chest contour. Bottom or lower surgery is a general term for any surgery below the waist. This includes masculinizing surgeries like hysterectomy, clitoral release, and phalloplasty, and also feminizing surgeries like orchiectomy and vaginoplasty. Another component of a person's transition journey is the medical transition, and a part of that can be hormonal treatment. The most commonly used hormones are testosterone for masculinizing features and estrogen for feminizing. There is some limited role for progesterone, though long-term use of progesterone is generally not recommended. Other medications include uh, mineralocorticoid receptor antagonists like uh, spironolactone and also puberty blockers, which are highly considered in pediatric gender-affirming care circles to allow for suppression of puberty for youth who are going through their gender identity journey. We will discuss pediatric gender-affirming care in more dedicated episodes in the next few months. Keep in mind that surgeries or medical transitions can be a part of someone's gender journey, but they don't have to be. Gender-affirming care is fluid and based on each individual's preference. I hope this has been a helpful starting point for understanding gender-affirming care. I highly recommend the resources I mentioned. There are a lot more terms that I didn't go through for the sake of time, but are important to know as you learn more about trans and gender diverse patients and how to provide care for them. They are attached in the show notes as always. After you've listened to this, you can always enjoy the first episode of our gender affirming care series that is out now. Thanks for tuning in to Just Medicine. 